Welcome to the Living Word Podcast. To find out what we're up to, check us out online at dlwc.network. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We hope it encourages and inspires you. Here's today's message. Amen, amen. It is a joy to be able to minister this morning, and I feel like God dropped a word. Matter of fact, I had prepared something completely different for this morning, and I I know I'm going to use that later on and so forth, but God really interrupted that and downloaded this message in five minutes. I like it when that happens. Wish you do that all the time. But it is a, it is a word about dreaming. Amen. Since you lost an hour's sleep, I thought it'd be good to talk about dreaming. <laughs> but I want to talk to you about the power of God's dream. And today as we minister this, it, it, it may seem a little, a, a, a little um, I don't know, spacey or whatever. I just want you to know that the word of God has so much to say about what God can do through a dream. And he can not only give it to his own people, thank God, but he can give it to foreign kings, people that don't even know him. He can drop a dream in their heart. Pharaoh, Nebuchadnezzar, doesn't matter who it is. God can drop a dream on them. And so it's important for us to really know what the Word of God says about it. And I'm going to base everything that I'm going to talk about out of Proverbs 29 and verse number 18. Proverbs 29, 18, the first part of that verse says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Now, I'm going to draw those two main words out of that sentence, and I'm going to use them because the word for the word where there is no dream or vision is the word kazon. Actually, if you're going to be Hebrew about it, you're going to have to say kazon. You kind of have to spit on people when you say that. But the word kazon, not calzone, that's pizza. Kazon. Noel. <laughs> I had a few Italians mention that today. You made me hungry, Pastor. That is Hebrew, so you want matzo balls or something. I don't know. But here, here we go. The word for kazon, for it means an oracle. It means a word. It means uh, either audible word or it might be a written word. It could be any one of those things. And one of those, it's, it's the expression through words or, or through dreams or visions. And so in any one of those contexts, chazon can mean that. And so where there is no chazon, where there's no dream, vision, oracle, word from God, preached word or written word, where there is no word from God, the people para. And the word para, it means to perish. It, it does mean that, but it's more than that. Because the word perish means to be unbridled. In other words, a a runaway horse with no way to steer it. Or it could be with no word from God, I'm unbraided. That's another variation of this word. In other words, in the braid, there's power. Like you could take a a whole bundle of sticks and you could break them one at a time. But if you bundle them all together and so forth and try to break them, you've got a brand new challenge. Because they're, they're tied together. And so unbraided means there's no power there. You're easily broken. One of the translations of the word para means to miss opportunities or to, it means literally to slip through the fingers. You miss opportunities. When there's no defining word, you can't even see the opportunity that's in front of you because there's no vision for it. And so it's important for us to realize that all of these words, without a vision, the people perish. God wants us, his, his people to dream with him. Where the, there is no, no, no vision, the people perish. If that's true, then the opposite is true. Where there is a vision, the people don't perish. Matter of fact, they excel. They are strong. They are knit together. They are guided by the Holy Spirit. They don't miss opportunity. They seize them. And that's what happened when the dream of the Lord is there. And so God invites us to dream with him. 
And, and let me just put it this way. A, God's dream is not a lottery ticket. It's a compass. God's word, God's dream is a, is, a, is a compass for all of us pulling our hearts toward the destiny and the purposes of God. And so it's important for us to have that defining word. And let me put it this way. It's not enough for you just to come to church or attend church. It's important for you to be somebody that's in the word of God, allowing the dream to live every single day. And so it's important for all of us to have that. It's not, it's not a religion that you do on Sunday. It's a, it's a presence of God and the word from God that you do every day. It becomes a compass through every single day of your life. No detours. And so when opportunities come, the dreamer recognizes those things and they walk through the open door where otherwise people don't even see the moment of their opportunity. And so let me deal with three things today. Number one, that God is the dream giver. Hallelujah. Now, God declares the end from the beginning because he can place a, a word in your heart to tell you what's coming before anyone else knows it because he's the dream giver. And Isaiah 46 tells us that, Isaiah 46, 9 and 10. And this is what it says about himself. This is what he declares about himself. It says, he says, remember the former things of old for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me declaring the end from the beginning and from the ancient times things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel will stand. In other words, what God tells you is coming, sure enough, coming. Amen. He says, and I will do my pleasure. And so God's word, it's, it's a lot like he says in chapter 55 in Isaiah. He says, his word will not return unto him void, but will accomplish what he pleases and prosper in the way whereunto he's sent it. And so God's word, God's dream, God's vision, it all has power if it's not there, we perish. If it is there, we prosper and are blessed. And God knows how to speak to you. Matter of fact, Jesus told us when the Holy Spirit came, he would lead us and guide us into all truth and show us things to come. Which is to say, all of God's people are prophetic by the nature of the one who lives on the inside of you. You just have to pay attention. You have to allow the word that he's speaking to you to be heard and obeyed. And so it's important for us to realize that that's what really truly distinguishes a spirit-led believer from somebody who's just got religion. Amen. And so, so the word dream and the word create, say dream. dream. And so there's imagination involved in that, dream, and then create. And so that's taking the dream and making it a reality. And both words come out of the Hebrew language have the same root word. Yetzer means to imagine. Yatsar means to create. Yatsar, Yatsar, try it. So imagine and create. And for God, it's no more difficult for him to create something than it is to imagine it. Selah. Think about it. For God, it's not an effort. Okay, I got another planet to make. This is going to be a tough one. Come on, how many of you know God's not having any trouble creating whatever he wants? He just speaks it into being. Amen? So it's important for us to understand that the more he lives in us and the greater his vision of who he is, what he says takes on a dynamic of power on the inside of a believer, not a, not a questioner and not an unbeliever. But if God can find a believing heart, God can do some amazing creative stuff because it's not any more difficult for him to imagine it than it is for him to create it. And that's the reason why he invites us into his dream. 
In other words, God sees and imagines Yetzer, and then he creates Yatsar. He dreams, and then he creates. And so the second thing is, not only is he the dream giver, but we want you to dare to dream with God. He invites us to dream with him. He invites us into his dream. And so the, the dream will un, unlock all kinds of ama, amazing creativity. And here we are in Dayton, Ohio. And if it's nothing else, it is the creative, inventive capital of the world. The Wright brothers are from here. Guys that make bicycles for a living decide they want to make one that flies. And the biggest naysayer was their own dad. Yet, Kitty Hawk, South Carolina, they found a wind to make that thing fly. And today, we don't think anything about getting in an airplane. Well, at least I don't. You might have freak out, but I, I'm okay <laughs> with getting on an airplane. It's all because somebody in Dayton, Ohio had a dream. And today, we can take the gospel around the world because of it. Or maybe it's a guy named Thomas Edison who thought you could make light come through electric filaments instead of having to light a fire in order to get light in a room. Or it could be a guy named Alexander Graham Bell who thought up about the ability to make a, a voice go through a wire and come out on the other side. I, I, there's so many different things. I mean, think about the things that are around us that we take for granted every day, and it all started with a dream that came from God. Paper clips. How many of you know we all have used those? Somebody had to come up with that at some point. They hadn't been around forever. Uh, paper. <laughs> Pencils. Toothbrushes, toothpicks. Somebody had an idea. Hey, you get that thing out your teeth. I don't know. Let's get a piece of wood and try it. <laughs> Works pretty good. Let's go into business. Okay. There's splinters everywhere. <laughs> Let me just tell you that dreams are, are pregnant with hope, and God invites us to come and to explore what are the possibilities of somebody's willing to think with God. If you'll mix it with perseverance, a little bit of ingenuity, and whatever God gives you is a resource that suddenly the dream becomes creative. It becomes something that is a catalyst for something that's life-changing for the rest of us, all because you had a good night's sleep. Dreams stealers are unfortunately everywhere. They're abundant and they're arrogant. Matter of fact, they even challenge the dreamers to say, stop dreaming. Would you get real? How many of you have ever run into somebody that was a stick in the mud? I don't know how else to describe it any better than that. How many of you know some people are just stuck? And I just want you to understand today that some of the best things that got out of God's dreams are still yet to come. Maybe you're some of the ones that are going to change the world with something that God lays in your heart. And then you have the, dare, the, the perseverance to step out and actually give it a try. See, there's a humanist spirit that wants to creep into the church. I, when I say humanist spirit, I mean, if it's humanly possible, God just give you the power to be humanly good, and then that's just about all that you should ever hope for. In other words, God's help is not necessarily accessible, and so let's just do the best we can. The problem is it's put a lid on the church, and you've got to rip a lot of pages out of your Bible to think that way. But it's the humanist, anti-God voice that challenges the dreamer to submit to a powerless life without God factor in it. 
And God would never endorse that. Matter of fact, Proverbs chapter 13, verse number 12, it says, hope deferred or an answer postponed makes the heart sick. And there's all kinds of people, even church people that are heart sick today. They have heart disease because they have hope disease. That life has taken away their hopes and because their expectations are based in human strength instead of divine strength, they have a tendency to think that there's a lid on my life. This is as far as I can go. Well, I'll tell you what happens with dreamers. They open up dream centers. They march into neighborhoods that everybody else has rejected and they say there's potential and there's greatness in every single person that I'm about to encounter. And they might be under a pile of stuff a pile of heritage, a pile of drug addiction. They may be piled under a a whole pile of low expectations and systematized living, but I'm telling you that what God gave me when we started this church 31 years ago, that God raises the beggar from the dust and the poor from the ash sheep to set them among princes that they may inherit the throne of glory. You can do big things with a dream. The voice of fear has a tendency to to take its toll on the soul of believers who would otherwise be dreaming God's dream with liberty. Children, they don't have any trouble dreaming and imagining things. They run around the yard. And I remember when I was little and I was growing up in the days of the big red machine. And we'd get out there with our baseball mitts in the vacant lot and so forth. And I'd say, okay, I'm catching today, so I'm Johnny Bench. There's Pete Rose out there and so forth, Davy Concepcion over there, and man, we were out there hitting that baseball and pretending to be somebody amazing. I still think I'm Johnny Bench. I don't know. But why not dream big dreams? What's the matter with a big dream? Somebody said, well, you got to watch out for that wildfire. Well, I'm never worried about wildfire. There's enough wet blankets around to put it out. Amen. Just saying. Be here all week. (laughs) See, when the spirit of fear takes over, you have fewer options, less liberty, and the promotion of frustration that steals dreams from millions of people. And heart disease, hope deferred, sets in. It can set in on a whole nation. And I'm here to tell you today that that it will attack your faith. The circumstances of life will attack your dream, your ability to dream, your ability to conceive and to create That's what God does. But there's enough naysayers around. Sometimes it feels like you're in the land of captivity, much like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Or the the names that God gave them was Mishael, Hananiah, and Azariah. And these guys were in captivity in Babylonian bondage, but they were in leadership positions. And all of a sudden, Nebuchadnezzar gets this big idea that he's going to Um, erect an image of himself in Daniel chapter number three and everybody has to bow down to his image made out of gold as soon as they hear the music everybody bows down well if you already bowed down to God you don't bow down to that and though they were in the land of captivity they weren't captive I'm feeling it going across the room right now I want you to understand today that These guys were in Babylonian captivity working for the government itself. But when he said to do that, they they found out that everybody else was bound down. How many of you know when everybody else is down, you stick out? And that's what happened with these boys. And so 
They called him into the palace before Nebuchadnezzar. He said, he said, you didn't bow down before the image, and I'm going to throw you into the burning, fiery furnace. And they heated it up seven times hotter. Serious. And this was their answer. Listen to what dreamers do when they're confronted with humanism and idolatry. He said, they said, King, we're not even careful to answer you about this matter because the God who we serve will deliver us from your burning, fiery furnace. But even if he doesn't, we're not doing that. We're not bowing down to you. Come on, somebody. And so he gets ticked off, throws him into the furnace. He looks in the door, and they're running around in the fire like some serious Pentecostals. And... There's one else in there. Come on, you can dance when Jesus is dancing with you. Come on, somebody. I don't know what tune you're hearing, but I'm here to tell you that he's dancing to the tune of heaven. Mm, felt that. He's the fourth man in the fire. And Nebuchadnezzar, listen, through not only the dream, but the creation of a miracle... Nebuchadnezzar says one of the most profound things about worship to the one and only God. He gets a revelation. Nebuchadnezzar says, there is no God that can save like the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he said, I'll throw any man into the furnace that says otherwise. Boy, did that guy change his tune. How many of you know when a miracle shows up, humanists become people of faith? It's amazing. And so the more vivid the unbelief, the harder it is to, to walk a life of faith. Distractions are everywhere these days. And so that means your dreaming has to be on purpose because the devil's not waiting to contend with your dream. He just wants to put the lights out on it before it ever gets started. It's hard to light a fire with wet wood. And so he rains on your parade all the time. But it's important for us to realize today that... A dreamer, a real dreamer, is really hard to keep down. I want to bring up a point. You remember David and Goliath's story? How many remember David and Goliath? Okay, good. Just ask somebody to raise their hand if you don't know. <laughs> David and Goliath's story. David killed the giant with a stone. Here's my point. I'm willing to bet that Goliath, when he woke up the day that he met David, didn't realize it would be the last day he woke up. And I want you to know, I don't know what day it is that you woke up, but I'm here to tell you, your enemies are about ready to lose their head. Come on, somebody. Why? Because the dream is coming alive. It was what were defined, the actions of David were defined by the dream and the experience that he had with God. And all of a sudden, he's dreaming. He's dreaming a big dream. Say, I've thought about doing some big things, never taking the step to do it. We'll keep dreaming. Keep speaking it. Keep saying the dream. It'll bring you to a great, great finish. The author and the finisher. The, end, the one that knows the end from the beginning and his decree, he said, will stand. It'll stand. And so God's dream. Today I want you to understand that trials and tests will come to all of us. And I'm going to mention James chapter number one here in just a moment. But understand, the deeper the dream goes, the trials and tests come to try to unearth that seed that God put in the ground called your dream. But I'm here to tell you, that if you'll just allow, water that seed with your faith and with your confession, if you'll just allow 
the words that come out of your mouth to come into alignment with God's dream, you'll silence the voice of unbelief. You'll just drown it out. It's the only way to deal with it. Anytime the devil speaks, I can just tell you when Jackie was in the hospital in ICU on 93% respiration, and the devil told me, she's, you, you killed your wife. I said, no, she'll live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. And I said it a hundred times between Monday and Saturday. She'll live and not die and she'll declare the works of the Lord. I didn't, I didn't allow it to, to circle my head one time. I killed it before it made one lap. Everything in the natural said is true. But everything that I believe said is not true. Devil's a liar, pants on fire. And so it's important for you to know that there's dream stealers are everywhere. And so you've got to know how to cultivate the dream that God places within your heart. Let me tell you a story of a guy that I actually shared this at prayer yesterday. A guy by the name of Monty Roberts. Now, Monty Roberts was a young man in high school at the time when the story starts, and his daddy was a, a horse trainer, and so he had to travel quite a bit anywhere there was a horse that needed to be trained. That's where he went, and so it was difficult for Monty to finish high school because he was traveling with his dad so much, and so nevertheless, the high school challenges were on and so forth. Well, it, as he was a senior, he was given an assignment by one of his teachers, and it was to write down what you want to be as you graduate from high school. What do you want to happen with your life? It's a great assignment. It's a great thought pattern to begin to think what's next. So Monty began to dream, and he took it quite seriously, and Monty wanted to have his own uh, horse ranch. And on this ranch, I mean, he wanted this, he wanted, he, I mean, he, he even, on his paper, he even drew a map of what it looked like with his, his ranch. And it would have uh, a track, it would have barns, it would have buildings, it would have a 4,000 square foot house on it. Come on, how many of you know Monty was a dreamer? And so he wrote all that down painstakingly, took the risk of sharing his dream with someone else, and, and so here he writes it all down. He gets a paper back a couple of days later from his teacher with a great big red F on it. And so Monty went up and he said, why? And the teacher said to him, and I don't know if he was trying to help him talk him into reality because he didn't think it could happen and so he wanted to get his feet on the ground. I don't know what this guy is, but he's full of the devil. But this is what that teacher said to him. said, you can't bring this to pass. You got to have money, you got to have land, and you don't have either you got to have breeding stock. You've got to have all these different kinds of things and so forth. You need property. You need buildings. And you don't have any resources. And so if you'll, this is what he said. If you'll consider changing your paper, I'll consider a new grade. And so Monty took it to his dad. He talked to his dad about it. He spent a little moment just kind of thinking and pondering in his own heart about it. And he didn't change a thing. He took it back to his teacher. And this is what he said to his teacher. You keep your F, I'll keep my dream. Yeah. Years later, Monty's dream became a reality. Where there's now living, he's living in a 4,000 square foot home. Raising horses in high demand. He's got the buildings and the track and all the different resources. And over the, in that 4,000-square-foot house, there's a beautiful fireplace. And right on the mantel is that paper framed right in the middle of his. Come on, how many of you know you can't kill somebody who won't turn loose of their dream? 
And so number three today, and finally, real living starts with dreaming. Now, James, I told you I was coming there. James chapter number one, I'm going to read this out of the New Living Translation because of what it says and how it says it. It says, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing that the trying of your faith works patience. Living, New Living Translation says it like this. It says, dear brothers and sisters, when trouble of any time comes your way. Come on, how many of you know it's coming 2020? When trouble of any kind comes your way, consider it an opportunity. Selah. Opportunity. I've been complaining. Yeah, that's the problem. You hooked up with the complaint department instead of the dream department. Consider it an opportunity for great joy. He says, for you know that when your faith is tested, and it will be tested. It's like that guy that went bought the health club membership, cost $500 for the health club membership. He said, I want you to know that thing don't work at all. I bought that $500 membership and so forth, hadn't lost a pound. I guess you actually have to go. Come on, somebody. In other words, you'll find out what kind of faith you've got when you start lifting the weight of adversity. That's when you'll know what kind of faith you've got. It's not in the tough times. Peace times don't tell you how ready your army is. And so it's important for you to realize when, when James says that when your faith is tested, that it's going to require endurance. And he says your endurance has to have a, a chance to grow. Come on, every time you hit opposition, it's an opportunity to grow. And so he says in verse number four, he says, so let it grow. For when your endurance is, is fully developed, that you'll be perfect, complete, need nothing. Come on, how many of you would like to be complete, perfect, want nothing? It's just on the other side of that trial you're about to face. And applying the dream to the difficulty. And he said, count it joy when it comes because you're about to experience a wanting nothing moment in your life. Faith is a process. It leads to completeness. That the future of my dream depends upon the dream giver and the dream keeper. I'll give you one more story. How many of you have ever watched the television show America's Got Talent? Well, it started in Great Britain called Britain's Got Talent. Great Britain's Got Talent. And on this, if you don't know the concept of the show, people come and they have these acts and they do anything from stand on their head, swallow swords, shoot things, or sing. And so out comes this little English lady and so forth, and she doesn't look like much. She just kind of walks out there, looks like, you know, just got off the bus. She walks up there, she puts her hands on her little hips, and they said, tell us about you. Tell us your dream. And she tells them where she comes from. Yeah, we know where that's at and so forth. And they said, well, what's your dream? She said, I want to be a professional singer. All of a sudden, Susan was met by all kinds of cynicism. She was met by all kinds of, of challenges. Even the look on the judge's face were kind of dismissive attitudes. Like, yeah, right. Okay, get it over with, girl. She dreamed of being a professional singer and nobody believed in her dream until she opened her mouth and began to sing. Jaws hit chest 
and people were big-eyed and at awe of what came out of that little gal's mouth. She won Britain's Got Talent for the whole competition. And let me just put it this way. There's people all over the world that know Susan Boyle's name, and they don't know any of the judges' names. Come on, somebody. Now, here's the irony of that moment, that she sang a song, I Have a Dream, and the dream is really quite a depressing song. It comes from the play La, Rizm, La Miserable, and the song is about a death of a dream, that I had a dream and life has killed my dream. As a matter of fact, that's, that's one of the lines in the song, that it was that, that life has killed the dream that I dream. And here's the irony. Singing about a dead dream song caused her dream to come alive. She stole the stinking meaning out of that song and used it as a platform. I, listen, I don't know what trouble you're going through, but God wants to make it into a platform for you to jump into your dream. It's going to require perseverance of all of us. Some of you have been to church and it was just as dry as last year's bird's nest and it's the reason why you don't even like coming to some places. La Miserable. But you can change the meaning of that whole thing by learning who the king is. The dream giver. That God wants to do something amazing in your life. Are you willing to dream his dream? What are you willing to do? Are you willing to step out? Are you really ready to start putting wood together and building wings and sticking an engine on it and leaving the ground when no one believes you can? What are you willing to do? It's going to require perseverance, whatever the dream is, but I'm here to tell you today that you're allowed to step out on the stage of life and start to sing. Just start singing just do what the dream demands and watch what God does bow your heads with me across the room if you're in this place or you're watching this service right now and you'd say Pastor Pat I, I've had things in life that have stolen my dream or maybe you're just exhausted in your own efforts to try to bring what you'd consider to be your desire or what you consider to be at least, I don't have a dream, but I'm following the crowd, expecting to get joy out of it. And what I've found out over the years is there's no joy in any of them. There's no joy in the results of what they do and how they think and the way that they speak and the attitudes that they have. I told you already that dream stealers are everywhere, but there is a, a king who beat death and he beat it in your behalf and he's the dream giver he's the ancient of days the one who knows the end of a thing from the beginning and he wants to be the king and the lord of your life when we needed him in the midst of life's bad news in the midst of the inescapable judgment that would come because of the fall of humanity Jesus Christ came he became one of us, died in our place, the perfect sacrifice, so that all the sin of the world and all the desperation of humanity could be placed upon him. And then they buried him in a borrowed tomb. And for three days, it was nothing but blackness, darkness, and despair. 
And that might be the place that you feel. You feel like life is, is a dream killer for you. I'm here to tell you today that the, it might look like the Friday, the crucifixion day, the good Friday of your life, but Sunday's coming. On that third day, Jesus Christ rose from the dead and beat the greatest enemy of all of us. He beat death. He led captivity captive. The Bible says he made a show of the enemy openly and triumphed over him in it. And today, he's calling to you, saying, if you'll let me in, I'll put a dream in you. I'll get rid of the dreadful history, and I'll put a brand new dream in your heart. It's called being born again. And today can be that day for you. Maybe you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. Maybe the best you've ever done is go to church, or maybe not even that. And what you found was la miserable. But here today, I'm here to tell you that if God be for you, who can be against you? He's a dream giver. He's the joy fulfiller. He's the one who dreams, and then he creates, and he does it with people just like you. That can start somewhere, but at some point, you have to you have to abandon the agenda of yesterday, the idolatries of your life. you got to stop bowing to other things and bow only to Jesus. And once that begins in your life, suddenly the dream comes alive and God begins to create some beautiful things in your life. And it all starts somewhere. It starts in a moment of faith and a moment of prayer. And so if you want Jesus today to be the Lord of who you are, you say, Pastor, I know that. I need him in my life. I know I need my sins forgiven, but I also know I need to jumpstart a brand new way of life for me. Can Jesus do that for me? Friend, it's why he came. It's why he came. Not just to forgive you, but to transform you. And he'll do it from the inside out. You don't change and come to God. You come to God just like you are. And his grace begins to restore and remake everything you were into something that God dreamed you'd be. And so if you're in the room today and you'd say, Pastor Pat, I've never made Jesus the Lord of my life, today you can. In a moment, I'm going to pray, and you can pray with me. And God set up this, this entire moment just for you. And so if you're watching online, you can touch that raise the hand button, and it simply says, Pastor Pat, don't leave me out of that prayer. And you just touch that button. You say, well, there's nothing. Salvation's not in that button. I know, but I've got some things I want to give to you. And they'll immediately come to you when you touch that button. And it's the, the pathway to abundant life and to life in Jesus Christ and the life into God's dream for you. It all starts a chain response today of life-giving responses to God. It's called faith. If you're in the room today and you say, Pastor Pat, please don't leave me out of that prayer. I know I need God in my life. In a moment I'm going to pray. I just want to know who I'm praying for. And then we'll all pray together. No, I'm not inviting you forward. I wouldn't embarrass anyone. But I, I want you to know today that today's a day that everything can change from despair to joy in your life. Let God do what he does so well in your life. Only he can do this. If that's you, wherever you're at, say, Pastor, don't leave me out of that prayer. Pray for me. If that's you, wherever you are, just lift your hand in this moment of privacy right now. And just lift your hand. Say, Pastor, I need that prayer. Pray for me. Don't leave me out. God bless you. Amen. Anybody else? Lift. I see you. I see you. God bless you. I see you, dear. God bless you today. Yeah, God bless you. Amen. Six, seven. Amen. Anybody? Eight, nine. Thank you. God bless you. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. I see you back there. Ten. Anybody else say, Pastor, don't leave me out of that prayer. I know I need God in my life. I see you, sweetheart. God bless you. Eleven. Anyone else? Online. Don't just touch that button right now. It's going to be important for you. We're going to pray in just a moment. That's going to seal the deal for you. But growth is where we want to go. 
and that dream to come alive in your heart. I want you to, those of you who lifted your hand for prayer, and all of us together, can we all pray this prayer together? Those of you online with me, pray this prayer with me. Dear God in heaven, I come in the name of Jesus. I believe in you. Thank you for believing in me. I give you my life today. I thank you that you died in my place. That you rose from the dead to take my judgment and to give me brand new life. I thank you for it today. I receive you as the Lord of my life. I repent for my sin. And I come to you. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name. Come on, everybody. Give me a good amen. 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 Thanks for listening to this week's message. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at LWC Dayton and on Facebook at Living Word Dayton.